Hey everybody, God bless you and welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. My name is Pastor Jonathan. In this week's message, we continue on with the series, A Drink at the Well, and we cover part two of it. In the book of John, the word of God speaks about a woman, a Samaritan woman, as we've been speaking to on the series. And this Samaritan woman was given the offer of a lifetime to enjoy a thirst-quenching water that she would receive from Jesus Christ. And in this second part of the series, we talk about and go into detail as the significance of the water and how it works as a cleansing agent, how it works as a living water that continues to run that would not allow her to be thirsty anymore. For you know, She would be receiving eternal life. And in this podcast, I want you to understand something that the Lord wants to be like water in your life. He, he wants to quench your thirst for with the things that he has set for you, things that perhaps that you may not have um, been able to accomplish in life and, and you're struggling and, and there are things that you have yet to uncover and discover and you know that there is something there, but yet it has not been yet fulfilled. Well, I'm here to tell you today that in this week's message, you'll take back from today that the Lord wants to act as a living water, a living form of a river that flows in your life and that continues to evolve, that's going to erode everything around you and create something completely different. I pray that this week's message may bless you, that it may encourage you, and that it may allow you to get closer to God and allow God to cleanse your life with the living waters that he gives. As always, thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. Stay tuned to the next one. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And may the Lord bless you tremendously this week. God bless you. This is Pastor Jonathan. As you are there standing, let us go to our series chapter, the book of John chapter 4. First Lady has it up there as well. We're reading the entire, we're breaking down in sections, John chapter 4. And we're talking about the series, A Drink at the Well. Hallelujah. I believe that the Lord has a word for you today, so I need you to give, give your undivided attention as much as possible. Because one day you may be called to testify to somebody. And they're going to say, what was it with that Samaritan woman in the well? And you should be able to be like, oh, yeah, we went over that. God gave me something special for somebody to share with them. Hallelujah. So as you are there standing, we're going to shift it just a little bit. John chapter 4, still in John chapter 4. But today we are going to be reading verses 10 through 15, okay? So those five verses. Amen and amen. Let's read all together. Read to yourselves as I read out loud. Jesus answered and said to her, her being the Samaritan woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, look to your neighbor and say, living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank it from himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? 
Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Look to your neighbor and say, never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Look to your neighbor and say, everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst not come here to draw. You may have your seats giving glory to God. If you remember from the prior part one in the series, Jesus has been touring. Um, he's been going on a journey throughout Judea, a land that was the time of Jesus. And he is on his return to Galilee, and he, and he has to make a decision to pass through Samaria. And Samaria was a place that really no Jew wanted to go because there is history, just so that you're aware, between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews can't stand the Samaritans because it goes back to an Old Testament history um, where, honestly, the Jews despise the Samaritans, and they look at them and they think of them as half-breeds, okay? <laughs> so that's pretty insulting as it is, right? If you get a dog and they say, what kind of dog is he? You don't say he's a half-breed. You say he's full-blooded, right? Or full-blood. Um, but if you say half-breed, they're valued in many, maybe, okay? So just so you all know what that means. But he's tired and he stops at a well. And while he's there, he speaks to a Samaritan woman. And this Samaritan woman comes from a background um, that uh, is not one that is favorable. When you think of a woman being proud of where she comes from, she comes from a place her have much to show because her reputation is the worst. Her own people that she is with, the Samaritans, they've outcasted her. And she comes to Jesus, well, comes to this well, and this man who is Jesus begins to talk to her. And she already knows that Samaritans and Jews don't talk to each other. So she's very like, what is going on here? And she's lived a promiscuous lifestyle that has resulted in a series of five or four, actually, well, six. Let's go, it's six. Six series of failed relationships is what I remember of men failed relationships. So she's had her plenty of time with those five people she was married to, didn't work out. And this last one, she's not married to him, but she is with him. Okay? So just you're on the same page as to where we are at. So this Samaritan woman has nothing to offer Jesus, and she had no value, but Jesus yet begins to talk to her. And he begins to respond to her and he tells her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you. In other words, what he's trying to say is, if you only knew who you were talking to, you would have already asked me for the drink and said, look, I don't need this water. I need the water that comes from you. I need the real living water that comes from within you. That's what he's saying. He says, if you would know, who it is, if, it is, if you would understand who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So let's talk about what this means and what Jesus is referring to. Because when you think about the Lord, he's spoken metaphors at times. He's spoken parables at times. And, he, and people are like, why would he always speak like that? Well, because the people who know God and who know and understand the things of God understand what he's saying. The people who don't want anything to do with God, they look at him and say, you're a fool. What are you, what are you talking about? 
Amen? You with me? So let's talk about what water signifies. So in your mind, think about water. The first thought that comes to, to your mind in water is probably from a faucet. But it has many purposes. Water is used to clean, right? You can't just get pine salt and put it on your floor. You have to mix in cleaning. And then it's also used to wash. You have, um, you know, washer and dryers, and, and they wash clothes with what? With water, either hot or cold. Amen. And then you also run into where you go across the country, you go across to other nations, and then you see them doing what in the river? They're washing, they're, they're washing themselves. So water is not only cleaning people, it also washes people. And then if you drink the right kind of water, it also hydrates you, right? Because if you don't have water, try going without water for a week and see, see how well your body takes it. You'll end up in the hospital dehydrated, right? So not only does water cleaning, it doesn't clean, it also washes, it also hydrates. And then what happens when it gets real hot? I see some of you, and I won't point fingers, but you know who you are. You go into the restroom, have to wash your face a little bit, right? <laughs> he knows I love him. So, you know, you go and wash your face just a moment, and, and it, but it refreshes, amen? It refreshes your face. And, and I know that in the mornings, like if, if I don't have uh, the water to refresh me, I feel like all like groggy and everything. So, you know, I understand the importance of refreshing. But water also is a force of nature that transforms whatever it is around. For those of you, we're all in here and those that are watching, you can probably think of the little West Texas towns. Uh, one in particular is Sierra Blanca. When it begins to rain, what happens to all the dirt and all the big old piles of dirt? They, they get cut through by water, right? You go to the, what they call the dry lakes, and they call it the dry lakes because water eroded the whole mountain and it formed a big old canyon, and, and it's nothing but dirt. But water happens to be a force of nature that whatever is around it, whether it's in a river, whether it's in a lake, if it's moving, it's going gonna, it's gonna to erode and begin to transform whatever it's attached to. Amen? So here you have the Lord, he says, you know, living water, he says, I will give you living water, one that you will never require to thirst. Hallelujah. Now, if you and Jesus were having a conversation and he tells you that again, what would you say? Give me a drink. I need some. Sign me up. Where is the well that has the water that I would never go thirsty again? I'll take it one time and never have to worry about it. But at this point, early on in the conversation, this Samaritan woman, she, she does not know she's speaking to Jesus. And that's interesting because all she sees is this man who's talking to her. And then, you know, this man, he's a Jew as it is. And she's like, okay, well, you're talking to me. Okay, I guess I'll talk to you. And then he says, hey, uh, you know, I have a living water. And she's like, living water? Okay, I, I don't know who you are yet. But I want some of the water. And he's saying, hey, I have water that I'll give to you that you'll never go thirsty again. And as with my first lady, I'd say I'd take that water. 
But the living waters that Jesus is talking about here is one that has to do with eternal life. And this is where you have to pay attention because somewhere down the line, you're going to talk to somebody that needs to know that in Jesus Christ, that one that we serve, has there is a fountain of living water. And that living water is so that they would never go thirsty again for the things of the way of them. They, that they would never go thirsty for a lifestyle that would never honor God, but that would bring glory to him. Hallelujah. In Jesus is telling the Samaritan woman, I have a life that I will give to you that is filled with every kind of quenching thirst water that you will ever find. And he says, he tells the woman, he, he wants to give her a chance to accept something, even though that everybody said that's not the way it should be. You're a Samaritan. We don't give, and at that time, they had not yet, Christ had not yet given the ability for Samaritans to come to Christ. They, they didn't even touch that area because they hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. Not that God hated anybody, but that was the custom at the time. In other words, you had two gangs that just didn't get along, and this one gang over here never got touched or anything because they're like, don't don't even mess with those guys. Those guys are on their way straight to hell. You know, like, let them be who they are. They, we can't stand them. Consider the trend, hallelujah. He comes into people's lives and it, and it disrupts the normal flow of their life in a good way where they begin to understand that, hey, you know, I, I used to be this way, but Jesus changed me. I, I used to think like that, but God changed my thoughts. I used to be, uh, you know, uh, with these people or with this many people or, or I used to do these things around people. But when I came to know Jesus Christ, hallelujah, I came to understand that there was a water that surrounded me my life and begin to interrupt it and begin to disturb it and then my life my shape of my life wasn't the same anymore because whether you think about it or not we all have a past. We all have a place where if you look back in those days, you'll see some kind of a natural habitat of Samaria, hallelujah, that is just filled of nothing good. But when, we st when Jesus steps into our life, he says, I will give you something new. A new city, a new creation, some water that you're not going to go after anything else. But you're going to say, God, I need some more water this week. God, I need some water this month. God, I need you to fill me again with the living waters that come from you, Lord. So the Lord uses a metaphor. Which compares two things that are completely different. And he uses the metaphor to describe that he and only him can offer water that comes with, is that he offers a water. Does this sound familiar to you? There's no other person on this earth, Asian, that only he can give. There is no other person on this earth. There is no other person in any other world, any other heaven, if the, any other world existed, but any other heaven in the spiritual realm on any earth that might be out there. There is no other person besides Jesus Christ who we must give our lives to that can offer salvation. Do you understand that? Because if you go far east, they'll tell you that Muhammad or Allah, their God, Allah's God to them, will give you that. With 144 virgins or whatever they have now to count. If you go far west, India, they'll tell you that their God, their, their prophet Gandhi can offer you something. Or if you speak to a Satanist, they'll tell you that Satan can offer you that. 
But there is one that Jesus was referring to to the Samaritan woman. He was referring to himself in a metaphoric state. And he was saying that she would never have to thirst if she just accepted the water that came from him. Now, I want to put it in your terms today. If you will accept Christ and you continue to be in Christ, you will, uh, you will obtain and live off the living water that comes from Christ. What that means to you is that eternal life is yours. That when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you surrender to him, he says, I, you will live with me in paradise forever. Amen. Amen? Yes. Can you put up there on the, on the projector Acts 4, chapter 12. I want to take you to this scripture because if you think I'm lying about what name, and it's not in the name of Mary. It's not in the name of King whatever. It's not in the name of a saint. But at the name of Jesus Christ, here's your proof. They call these proof text, okay, proof text, because these are what prove what you're saying is valid. Look what it says there. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. What is his name that they're referring to? Jesus Christ. That is the only name that the word of God says, in my name you shall do this. In my name they were cast out. In the name, at the name of Jesus Christ, demons tremble. It talks about a name in the name of Jesus Christ. So the message that they have a life. That's not going to be perfect, but that will you, you can always, a life that you can always go to God and he'll always be there for you. Amen. A life that you'll never have to worry about. What if I don't have what, nothing or no one to fall back on? Because he will be that person. Amen. And for those of you who have been in God for a while and you've been in church, it, it is a God that says, continue in me and I will continue to bless you. Continue to follow my paths. Continue to follow the work, the, the walk that I have for you. And God says, and I will be with you. Because here's the reality. At the end of your life, we all have an appointed time, okay? It's already set. Our time, one day, if God doesn't come before then, we are going to die. And when we die, you'll have to, two options to pass your eternity. Which means once you die, where you go. You can, you can take it and you can handle it and live. You can live it an eternally condemned, an eternal condemned place. So you can live it eternally condemned. Or you can live eternally forever with Jesus Christ. Hmm, I'm going to go with Jesus Christ, right? Because <laughs> I'm not living eternally condemned. That means that the water that he gives, I have to keep refreshing from it. I want to keep getting closer to it because the closer I am to the fountain, the more water comes up on me. Hallelujah. The more of his living water is upon me, the less I have to worry about. Hallelujah. Will you understand that this Samaritan woman, she came to the well with nothing. Hallelujah. And left with the promise of everything. Hallelujah. She came worthless saying, I have nothing to give to leaving saying, man, I don't have nothing to give but he gave it all he gave it all I said just like he gave it all for you and I he died on a cross hallelujah and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ that a God who was self so that I could give you life so that you could have water to drink just like the Samaritan woman water baptism is important to us 
water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is another symbolization of being cleansed. When you get baptized, you're cleansed spiritually. You feel that cleansing. It is a, it is a new creation. God says, you, whoever is born again is new, newly created. You are a created creature that is new. You've been cleansed. You're no longer the old person anymore. It is now Christ that lives in you. We now live for Jesus Christ. He doesn't live for us. We live for him. He already lived for us by dying on the cross. It is a baptism that, that you have, though you have repented, it is a signification, a symbol of saying, I've turned from my old life that I had before, and I've given it to Jesus Christ. Do people see that in you? Do they see that change in you? Do they see that there's something in you that is running living waters? Do they know that if they get close enough to you, that you can give them a word that's going to encourage them, that whatever situation they find themselves in, that they will know that God is God? Because if they ain't drinking that water from you, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. And that Kool-Aid is not of God. <laughs> Because it's not water. It's contaminated water. I'm not referring to the literal Kool-Aid. I love Kool-Aid, okay? My, my first, first lady, my wife, loves that as well. But my point is this. You don't have to drink from anything but the water that God gives. People need to know that there's water living in, that is inside of you. They need to look inside of you and see Jesus Christ living. Why? Because you're not only a hearer, which means you don't only come to church and play church and listen, but you are a doer. Do they see the doer part of you? Because Jesus wasn't just telling her. He was inspiring her to make a decision saying, hey... You have, little do you know that you have the God that can save you right here before you. Do you want some of this water or not? And, and you know what? Let me be honest with you. <clears throat> Jesus didn't make it hard for her. Okay? He didn't try to complicate it. And, and, and well, if you go down to another well, you'll find that he just basically kind of led her on. What else are you going to say? I mean, she, he's telling you, you know, he kind of draws her in with a question like, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't be asking me. You know, for me to give you a drink, you would be asking me to give you a drink. He's not complicating it. He's being honest. He's hooking her with, the, like, hey, I want you to receive this. Please say yes. It's important to understand this Samaritan's woman conversation with Christ. Because we understand that Jesus Christ is the only way to live. What is, who knows their Bible really well? John 14, 6. Who knows it? I'll start you off. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. <clears throat> no one else comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, no one's going to get to heaven without going through me. And then some people are like, well, Jesus... Who, show us the father brother Raul you talk so much about this father show us who's the father and Jesus is like if you've seen the father you've seen me if you've seen me you've seen the father he's telling them what this happened before okay 
with not only with the Samaritan women, with other people. They, they would look at him and they'd see him and he'd talk and they'd be like, who is this guy? And, he, and they're asking for signs and wonders and Jesus is right there before them. But they're still asking for God for to send them a sign. Don't be the but Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is something that you must understand today. And it's not just a message about, hey, Jesus Christ lives. It's a message that says, will you be, remain faithful to him? Will you stay faithful to God if you are already in church? And if you have not received Jesus Christ, the answer is very clear. And it's, the question is very clear. Will you accept Jesus Christ? Because this lady... This Samaritan woman, as we'll find out next week, she just doesn't say, yeah, I accept it. And then, cool, I'm going to go do my thing. I'm whatever now. I'm going to go back to doing my own thing and being who I was before. It changes her. And she goes back and starts telling people about this, this man she talked to at the well who she thought was a prophet. But he started telling that, she, that this man told everything about her life without her even having to mention it. So here's what you need to get. Point number two. The first point you needed to understand that the living water was involved. Point number two takes you to this. A decision had to be made. You notice Jesus offered the Samaritan woman a chance to receive what he had given. What he was going to give. The decision and the choice were completely on her. He didn't say, hey, you woman, you're going to serve me. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Hey, you woman, you're going to serve me. I'm God. He gives her a chance to accept something that he's offering. The decision and the choice were completely on her. Let me share with you what I'm trying to get at. God won't ever force you to serve him or to accept him. He's never going to say, I need you to get on your knees right now and I'm going to put you on your knees. He doesn't do that. God gives you free choice like he gave this Samaritan woman and he says, you choose the decision what you want to do. I will tell you, though, if you choose my decision, Jesus says, it will be full of joy and you will have a life that will live and you will live eternally with me. Because God desires your love. He desires your time. He wants your life. He wants your decision to be based upon do you really want to accept him? You notice that Jesus talks to the Samaritan and it's only them two, right? It's not like he had, she had a group of people to say, go, go ahead, take it. He's giving you something good. It was her choice. Whenever you follow Christ, you need to tell people this and make sure they understand this. We can't accept Christ for them. You can't save anybody because of you. They have to make a decision to serve and say, I accept the gift that God has given. I accept that free gift of salvation. Yes, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. But pastor, <clears throat> but if God existed, how can he allow such evil things to happen? If he really existed and he had a living water and running water and, and all that goodness and that, you know, why would he allow things to happen, bad things? That's just it, though. He gives us free will. You have the ability to serve or not serve. You have the ability to wake up one day in the morning and say, man, thank you, Jesus. Or oh, forget this day. It's already started bad. You have the ability to show love to somebody or you can show them the rod. 
free will, free choice. But a decision had to be made because we each have free will, and that free will says, yes, I want to serve God. Yes, I want to get closer to God. Brother Lorenzo, I don't get closer to God and try to read the Bible because pastor's going to get mad at me. I read it because I want to get closer to him because I make a decision daily or a choice weekly, whatever it is that you read the Bible, whenever it is, you make the choice and say, I want to do this because I love him. Because I want more of the water that comes from Jesus. We choose to pray. We choose rather to TVs, um, whatever we're looking at when we're walking into place, whatever it is our attention's being grasped and, get, and, and, you know, and taken away through. We make those decisions. Did you know that? Before you act on upon something, you make a decision. Before you go and say, I, I want to buy perfume, you're already making a decision. I want to buy perfume because I think it's going to make me smell good. Oh, it does smell good. You already made two decisions already. But there's one decision that this Samaritan woman faced, and it's the same decision that you will face, is that do you accept a life in Jesus Christ? So you have the option to accept what Christ has offered, not only the Samaritan woman, but the entire creation. Look, for those of you who have been in church, you've already accepted Christ. Your task is to remain near the fountain of living water. That's what you are to do. Get closer, get enough to fill up in your bucket, then go and say, hey, I got some water for you. Here, take some. I'll be back. I'm going to go get refilled again. Get some more water. Go down some more to a few more people. Hey, here's some water. You are the best humanitarian effort person this world will ever see. Why? Because you carry a water that the world doesn't have. Hallelujah. You see, all it takes is a drink at the well to understand that there is a water inside that God is placed in you that will give to others and continue to give and give and give because this water doesn't go dry hallelujah don't allow your water to become stagnant i preached about this a while back stagnant water what does stagnant water mean that means that water that's been sitting there that mosquitoes which i can't stand for the life of me right they go and they go plant their little crazy eggs and and, and they go and they they grow like i don't know it seems like they grow overnight and they just start all over again it smells. It becomes toxic. What do you think on those National Geographic channels they tell you? Always boil your water no matter how clean it looks. Because water that's not moving becomes stagnant. If Jesus is not working in your life. If he's not demonstrating in your life good things that you have allowed him to work in your life for. Then your water is pretty stinky. <clears throat> And we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all been that complacent person that, you know, our water don't smell good. But you know what the beautiful thing is? The moment we get to Jesus, the moment we go to him in prayer and we start reading his word, the moment our, our, that old water gets filtered out and he starts to refresh our water and renew it and give us a whole new set of, you know, living waters. Hallelujah. So here's what you must understand. The way you understand what works as a cleaning or cleansing agent is to understand point number three. And this is the last point. The word of God. So I've talked to you about waters, living waters. And the second point I talked to you about was about you had to make a decision. The third part is 
Now you're to act upon it. Now the word that you read has to be a scrubbing agent. How many of you hate scrubbing stains? How many of you hate scrubbing carpet stains? <laughs> right? I pick on him because I know that he scrubbed the carpet hard a while back. And I've been there, brother. My girl's upstairs room is pretty bad. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. The word of God acts as a cleansing agent. What I mean in our lives, when you're there scrubbing with the word of God, scriptures become, begin, you know, there's some stains in our lives that just don't go away, okay? There's stain on there, and you're like, oh, I can't stand this. I don't want this is a part of my life. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to scrub it out, and it'll just, it's just not going to come out. And you don't have to worry about the stains. But you do have to worry about keeping your garment clean. And let me tell you how you will keep it clean. By living a life that is fulfilled in the word of God. That's the way you keep it clean. That's the way you, you do your best to prevent stains. Because the word of God says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 to 27, it says that he, Jesus Christ, might sanctify and cleanse her. He's talking about the church with the washing of the water by the word. The word of God is your only offensive weapon. Understand that. I'm giving you three points. You can walk away with three points. If you take your Bible and you start reading it and you, and you really read it to say, God, just show me what you have for me today. It doesn't matter how much I read. I'm not trying to impress somebody and say, I read 10 chapters today. You should be proud of me. And the question I ask is, what did you read? Well, uh, oh, I read out of Acts. That's not going to work. When the devil comes against you and throws something on your, your, your garment, you have to know how to scrub it out. And the way you scrub it out is with the word of God. If you start worrying about things and you're worrying and worrying, you'll remember a scripture that says, be anxious about nothing. But in everything, be in prayer, presenting your supplication and requests unto the Lord. You'll remember that. When you're feeling like, man, I just got this bad news. I don't know what's happening, what's going to happen in my future. You'll remember Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I got it, God. Scrub away. That's how you defend yourself. That is how you scrub, because the water we've been talking about is also, um, you know, um, that just like water washes and it transforms, it also works as a cleansing agent. And the way you'll know when you're being cleansed is when you're completely surrendered to God. I would be worried if I didn't have any problems or trials. That means the devil could care less about what I'm doing. If I had a perfect life, that means the devil's like, leave that guy alone. He's already on his way burning down. Of course, that will never happen because even if you choose not to serve Jesus, the devil's going to make your life uh, a living hell still. But studying the word of God is the, is the sword of the spirit, and, and it is something that we need more than ever 
And I'm coming to a close very soon. Let me share with you. This world is going to tell you many things. People are going to say many things to you. You're going to watch TV. They're going to tell you all these different things. You're going to read news articles. They're going to tell you all these lies. They're going to tell you all about what they want you to believe. And then they're going to make you feel that if you don't believe with them, you're completely wrong. And one day they're going to try to take the Bible away. And you're going to have to rely on what you remember. And what will you remember? The word will do its job when you first go to the living waters. Once you're in the living waters and you're drinking from the water, you make the decision. And in that decision, the word of God begins to scrub areas in your life. And it begins to shape and it begins to like a sharp knife, take out that, take out that, take out that. And it rinses it off and cuts that out and cuts that off. And you don't need to live like that. And it, and it just transforms your life. That's why Jesus said it is called the bread of life. And you are to eat of it every day. So let's stand. Next week, we'll be going over part three. Hallelujah, Jesus. The gift of salvation that God gives, it's free. All it requires is, is a decision. But you have to make that decision. And if you've made that decision, you are to act upon it. And if you've already given your life to Christ, you are to remain in Christ. It's never too late to recommit yourself to the things of God. Because a life in Jesus doesn't mean that you'll never struggle. What it does mean is that when the life hits, Jesus Christ will be there with you. And guess what? The good news is, fast forward, I'll give you the secret. In the end, we win. <laughs> no matter what you're going through, in the end, we win, brother. We win if we stay near the living waters. If we stay drinking from it. So as you are there standing, I want you to just... I want you just to... I want, to, I want you to lift your hands right there where you're at. If you have a special need, if you need prayer, I'm going to open up this altar for you.